0: Everybody, well, I'm dumb and
1: awful. This is Brett at relentless board.
2: I'm Rob at dumb and awful on the hell
1: site Twitter, and I'm Brad at fizzleshizzle on the same hell site. A black cardinal? It worked in Blazing Saddles,
2: huh? Did anybody, you guys, get that reference?
1: <laughs> what? Uh, that, that's
2: a reference to the 1993 Mel Brooks comedy uh, Men in Tights, Robin Hood Men in Tights.
0: That I get, yes. but what, what? What? How does that refer to anything modern?
2: Well, by, by the way, that confusion is it lets me know that I'm maturing properly. My datification process is right on schedule. I remember growing up, my dad would always just be like, "Hey, bedtime for Bonzo," and I'm like, "Nobody knows what that's referencing." Is that from Bonanza? <laughs> to this day, I don't know what howdy Duty refers to, and I'm not going to look it up because <laughs> that that is dad's oblige. He he does not have to explain to you or I guess I no longer have to explain what you're referring to, you can just say things. Uh, And if that isn't also the most podcast thing ever, I don't know what is. I am referring to a surprise announcement from the Vatican balcony from none other than the Popa, and I'm sorry, I know I've been doing a lot of Catholic stuff, but this Popa's fucking on a roll. (laughs) Surprise announcement, we have our first uh, African-American Cardinal. Pope Francis named uh, the former Archbishop of Atlanta for the last year. He's been the Archbishop of DC, uh, Archbishop Wilton Gregory, the Cardinal of DC. I love this just for like the rhetorical fuck you to Trump. Now, I, maybe Wilton Gregory is a truly amazing Archbishop and he's earned every bit of this. Uh, I'm sure it's the case. That said, anyone rising the ranks in the modern Catholic Church extremely sus. Yeah. So in my appreciation of this, I'm mostly going to tilt for the rhetorical. Like it's like that, uh, remember Dave Chappelle's killing them softly. He has an opener where he's like, you ever just see a a group of black guys hanging out and then there's just like one white guy smoking a cigarette. That white guy there is the most dangerous motherfucker in the bunch. Because there's (laughs) no telling the shit he's had to do to gain acceptance. And so... Uh, look, I'm I'm sure Wilton Gregory is great, very suspect, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I respect this just as a a roast to Trump basically, like that's how I see that we know Pope Francis doesn't like Trump. You know, right. you see him in every photo. He, 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 I mean, he's the head of a reactionary church and still looks at Trump like he's too far right. And just as a roast, it's so good. Like normally, like there's a few angles from where you can like roast someone you know try to make them feel bad you have like the sexual which is
1: stormy daniels with trump yeah Yeah.
2: you have a tiny weird dick uh your pussy stinks still beat though i fucked your sister no you didn't you're an incel you have herpes like that sort of stuff you know (laughs) there's the physical uh you're short you're fat you have a face that seems to uh perpetually shrink back in your head like charlie kirk
1: uh i think most (laughs)
2: slurs probably go there physical uh because it's just you know it's not something i have any control over then there's the social, you have no friends, everyone hates you, uh, everyone thinks you're stupid or embarrassment. that's sort of like Ben Shapiro with the wet ass pussy thing. Yeah. Or like Tim Pool giving dating advice to women <laughs> while, while claiming he's single because of toxic feminism. <laughs> Definitely. Like, these are all mainstays. There's also financial, like oh you're a broke loser, your job implies that you're a failure in some way. These are, are the standbys, this is what the, the average person like me and you have access to when it comes to trolling someone. But the Pope, the Pope can go spiritual. Like, only he can go like, hey, what's up? I'm the uh, anointed successor to St. Peter, and uh, I was just in communion with the immortal Theanthropos. Uh, you know, Alpha and the Omega, divine creator, of the kingdom of heaven, architect of the world without end. And uh, yeah, he says, fuck you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's
2: just, that's just
1: uh, I, I love it. I love yeah, it. that's all. That's also um, how Ben Shapiro tries to own people as well, and uh, it doesn't go as well for him. <laughs> so I, it's funny. Also, we're talking about what um, you know, Pope Francis did, and on the eve of Amy Coney Barrett, um, she's us being you know nominated to the Supreme Court, not nominated, I guess, confirmed, and she's nominally a Catholic, but they're they're kind of a weird branch of Catholicism. They're closer to like you know orcs from World of Warcraft. Um, she's very anti-Roe Wade, anti-abortion, and they're going to overturn it the first chance they get Pope Francis, you know, you know, I, I against gay marriage, obviously, let mean, let's just be real. Pope Francis came out and said, yeah, civil, uh, civil unions are fine. Actually. You know what? I just, I just, I just talked to God. He, uh, he meant to get around to this. He, he, he was busy, you know, he forgot to tell us, but oh, yeah, I'm so, no, I'm
2: sorry. Do you have more on your plate than God? He created the plate <laughs> and everything on it. So I think he's got an excuse for being a little bit late. But no, we, um, we talked about, I promise, no, no more Catholic stuff for now. It's just been, it's been a great time for Pope watchers. And by the time you guys hear this, we will have uh, unlocked the, the most recent bonus where we actually go into depth on, on this stuff, uh, on, on the Civil Union stuff and all that. Uh, just unlocked because it felt like a fun episode. And I, I want a historical record of, of my manic episode on tape. So, so there you go. <laughs> uh, But yeah, that's just good for him. Uh, I can tell you that tonight I will be praying to the Pope, uh, that the Holy Spirit both blesses him and lands upon the shoulder and tongue of my brother Nick Mullen, because my God, is there a character here that I am absolutely not going to do? (laughs) 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 The Black Cardinal of DC. It's not for me. It's not for me, because fundamentally, uh, I am a coward, and... For more evidence,
0: <laughs>
2: for, for more evidence of, the, I'll think it, but I won't do it, which is what I uh, was what happened to the sketch that was supposed to open this episode. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Brett, briefly, what what was the deal with Nina Turner?
0: She has a podcast. She brought on John Kasich to talk about all the things we agree on, her and John Kasich, uh, and how we should celebrate those similarities and try harder to work together. So the usual bipartisan bullshit, it's a whole podcast about that uh, opening with a sponsorship by Goldman Sachs.
1: Mm. Yeah, <laughs> Goldman Sachs saying, please just stop fighting so we can keep making money. Yep. Yeah. And and Nina Turner con-
2: I, I conceding love- to, to both the, the anti-gay what's a human right guy and uh Big finance, which is, I think we all, I thought we all agreed was the vampire squid uh, sucking the life out of everybody.
0: Re- reminder for people uh, on the John Kasich thing, you, you know, the Supreme Court case that got gay marriage legalized throughout the nation Oberfels versus whatever uh, the defendant side. Kasich was literally on the defendant side, arguing against it. Just, just in case you were like, "Oh no, he's just a normal guy against gay marriage." Like, no, 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 he's the dude who took it to Supreme Court to try to kill it permanently. Well, he's gay
2: conversion therapy. Yeah, guy. like. And so I had a whole, I had a whole sketch uh, written out. We had like a nice, you know, we were gonna use Brett's Dulcet tones for like, uh, this is a Goldman Sachs product. Like oh, that was <laughs> right? the opener, and then uh, basically the game that that I was playing was Nina Turner would be talking to John Kasich and they'd be like telling stories and he'd go, yeah, so I was over at the Dairy Queen and I was getting my favorite uh, Thanksgiving pumpkin spice uh, blizzard and I see these two homos kissing in front of me and uh, you know when queers do that shit, it's just so fucking gross. And Nina's like, whoa, whoa, I did not know that the pumpkin spice blizzard was back. And he just play on that, right? Like her completely missing uh, yeah. The, the horrible outlook upon humanity that Kasich, future Biden cabinet member, possesses. Just letting it go unaddressed for the sake of reaching across the aisle and all that decorum bullshit. But what I realized uh, was that sketch doesn't work because I can't heighten it beyond the real. Like yeah. I can't comedically <laughs> heighten how terrible these GOP to New Democrat people are because they're actually worse. So like, to match what John Kasich is actually like and truly believes, that level of depravity, I'd have to say a bunch of words that I am not comfortable saying <laughs> and don't comedically pay off because it just makes people sad. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like people said that it was hard to lampoon Trump because he was such an absurd comedic character already. Right. I, I don't know how you heighten a cabinet full of people that don't see a number of citizens as human beings. So on that note, there will be no comedic sketch this week <laughs> <laughs> or comedy. That much I can promise. That is the dumb and awful promise. You will find no weekly promise. You'll find no comedy. Certainly no comedy that connects to you, the listener, uh, in a way that produces joy. Uh, instead, I guess we'll just stare deeply into the abyss because you know nothing bad ever happens to man who does that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're talking about you're promising no more Catholic contents. Um, you know, I want to talk about that because I think you know. A big thing of the podcast world is finding, you know, your niche. And you think between the three of us, we're all Southerners of some varying stripe or degree. Uh, we've got at least two Catholics here, and we've got at least two Eastern Europeans. So why don't we turn this instead into like Southern Confederate Catholicism chat <laughs> all the time? We can talk about like the the trip we took to the basilica in middle school or high school, or um, you know what our confirmation name was, or how like mass has gotten a little too casual. You know, for the people they don't they don't even say the right like prayers anymore. I don't even know what the fuck I'm watching. Buddy, I I said
2: this in the last episode, but I've literally guarded papal relics. Like, I was the only person in tr- At this point, I really only have to blow, like, three priests before I'm in the Swiss Guard honorarily.
1: <laughs> <laughs> really just one Catholic, Brad? He's not Catholic. Neither am I. Yeah. Wait, well, he's Eastern European. Like, what is he? I mean, he's not, like, Muslim. Like, where where, where are we going with that? No, like, so my family,
2: the- my family, obviously, the Catholic up to the generation before.
1: Right. So, like, you know,
2: a Polish family, and then we have some... Uh, Italian side uh, step (laughs) don't worry my blood remains pure Uh, and and some Scottish and and it's like okay so there's a mix in in there Uh, but my parents generation was in the 60s and so there was a little bit of you know, like, well, you know, what are rules, man? And so there was this fundamentalist Protestant shift. I'm actually from the most hardcore right-wing Lutheran sect, which makes no sense at all. Why would you go Lutheran? The whole point of that is you could look at Presbyterians and evangelicals and be like, ooh, the too, many, too many rules there. I, I, I think I can figure it out on my own. But then still building a hierarchy that puts the most strict rules on you. My sect actually believes the the Pope is the Antichrist and most of the Catholic sacraments are the devil's work and there's only really like three.
1: Oh my God, (laughs) so they're like hardcore, like original 99 Thesis style Lutherans. No, they
2: they literally... Their logo is like a burning cross, and they're like, no, we don't mean it like that. We are going to burn this cross in the field, but it's because of Jesus. Whatever you're bringing to it is on you. And the good news is you can forgive yourself. Just look up at the sky for five seconds and go, oops, God, and that's it. That's fine.
1: (laughs) See, I thought the whole point of Lutheranism was just like, I don't want to stand up and sit down as often in Catholic Mass, but like everything else is kind of fine.
2: The whole point of Lutheranism is... Uh, you don't actually have to feel the holy spirit or think about theology at all whatever you're doing is right on it's, it's and if fine. it isn't <laughs> and if it isn't you can learn i'll do it right now right now here like i i definitely had those uh impure thoughts when i was you know writing the sketch like i feel like there were definitely some sins there i was not treating Others, as I would treat myself, although actually I kind of was, pat on the back because I didn't say the slur. <laughs> <But I, laughs> that's Lutheranism right there.
0: Uh, you know
1: what? I won't even get to the confession bit. I was right to begin with. <laughs> this could have been so much worse. Lutheranism. <laughs> Rainbow across the screen.
2: Yeah, no, so my family had like a, a Protestant Reformation halfway through. So it, it disappointed my grandmother and all that. But eh, what are you going to do? What are, I, what are
0: you going to do? I really thought this cycle enough people had been paying attention that would get here and you wouldn't get the, like the, what is basically the fucking death march of dim propaganda that everybody just fucking eats up and then shits back out. Like you're the dumbest motherfucker around. I really thought we'd gotten to the point where people would go like, yeah, that's clearly horseshit. And it's bizarre. Cause like in some ways they're doing that, but it, it's kind of irrelevant if the end result is you still being like, but I gotta vote. Yeah, it's the argument right. that or rather it's the observation
2: that you see with regards to praxis. You know, the the realization of a problem is not the solving. Of that problem, yeah, people realize, and you can have all the media in the world about, like, hey, you know, this thing is uh really bad. Uh, Kanye was on Joe Rogan talking about how capitalism wants to keep you sick because it's all about profit. He also talked about, like, you know, spirits and angels, and he's a crazy person. Uh, not I'm i allowed to say that slur, it's not able, (laughs) (laughs) a fellow crazy person, right
0: about the capitalism thing, though.
2: Yeah, like people get it, but then the, the problem is, like, what do you do, David Sroda? Uh, from the bernie sanders campaign is basically just a he is one white monster energy away from being like a depressed 20 something girl on twitter yeah. just sad posting through every single night and even he was like i mean it's all it's all fucked um and i feel bad but i just went today and voted for joe biden i don't think it's right and it's like uh,
0: then why'd you do it man
2: Well, that's the thing, because he's like, yeah, I realize the problem more intimately than most people. I was on the inside of the Sanders campaign and still like, I don't know what the solution is. There's nothing I can do. So I'll do the one thing that I think matters at all, which is my infinitesimal impact on the democratic process process voting for joe biden
0: maybe maybe right. it's maybe it's being up here in the fall and like I, I i have to say like being surrounded by tons of fall foliage i really am starting to understand all of like the fucking melancholy new england poets sad goddamn posting bullshit looking at you robert frost with your fucking uh miles to go before i sleep crap but someone
2: wants to use that as a pickup line Ugh. or no or not as a closer line it's just it's just gross she said that with, with regard to calling an uber to leave the bar
0: fuck off so now uh, i
2: associate robert frost with getting my dick sucked and you know yeah, what it, that's an improvement it brings <laughs> a huge it brings a certain dimension to his prose. <laughs> it
0: does uh I, but i don't know if it's that but like it does feel very much like season finale for the country like it it, it this fall feels like it the final shift uh into the the phase that everybody's been pretending isn't going to occur or that they want to they want to act as if it isn't what is going to occur which is that like every other option left to you has been closed off at what point do you make your peace with the obvious response that you need to take to this bullshit it feels like right now we're in season
2: four of the wire where like a lot of meaningful shit is still happening but there's going to be a real sad denouement afterwards where we go like well, we're all still watching, but what the fuck is even going on anymore? <laughs> I guess we're just sliding into decline.
1: It, there's a sense of like this: this election is going to return things to normal, and that's what like that's Biden's entire campaign, and he's bringing all these you know GOP members into the fold, like the Jeff Flakes of the world, and like John McCain's wife for some reason. How, how mad are uh,
2: you if you're Cory Booker that you had that dumbass? They had a, a famous snowball fight in front of Congress. Like, look at that! We can have fun and reach across the aisles, and then he goes for your Repu- he goes for your white Republican counterpart over you for the cabinet. <laughs> oh, there's no winning.
1: Yeah, but like, and and we're doing these things, and it's all going to be normal. But like, none of us really believe it's going to be normal. Like, there's this weird sense in the air that, like, even among the people that are just, I, you know, want to go to work and, like, whatever, whatever. Like, we're not, we're not approaching an inflection point. We've blown through it. And it, it just, it's like, it's this eerie feeling like, yeah, we're all going to, on November 3rd, we're going to tell ourselves we, di- we can do it. On November 4th, we're going to realize, like, oh, we're going to think, oh, we did it. Congratulations. Let's celebrate. And then on November 5th, we'll be like, oh, we've still got, you know, how many people dying a day? we still got how many, you know, people getting sick a day? Like we still got Trump is now threatening to like not resign and now there's like people with guns in the streets for some reason. Like this is all gonna happen. I, I doubt he'll do that. That would be, I would welcome that at this point because I would rather
0: you just go ahead and break it. The the slow slide to me is worse. Him forcing the constitutional crisis issue because like one there won't be that many people on the street, but him forcing the issue and making them either drag him out of the office, like whatever. I, I would like that. I would like him to force the issue because then you might actually break this shit, but the slow decline to me is so much worse. Like it's being in the pot. We know it's starting to boil. Everyone's aware of how this is going to go. And everybody's like, well, I, I don't know if we can do anything about this. I
1: voted. I voted and I changed my Facebook picture.
2: So, so Brett our, can we officially call it, uh, if you're against slow slide, that implies you want quicker, uh, acceleration. Are you full accelerationist now?
0: I don't think it's accelerationist. I think the system needs to be broken, and I, I don't. And, th- and you
2: don't think the current speed is enough? How, <laughs> what do you understand accelerationism
0: as? Genuinely, I, my, my problem with the normal accelerationism thing is that it implies that there is time, and there is not. Right? There is not hmm. the normal argument against acceleration is that we have time. We we do not. There's objectively. So you're making
2: an acceleration. There,
0: no, I'm just saying, like, there's objectively not enough time. Like, we are all fucked. Like, climate. On a, on a, yes, yes. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a very short horizon. Like, there is not enough time to play these fucking games. As an aside, it's always a little gross to say there's time to like there's time to get leftists in, in Congress, there's time to do this electorally. Because what you're saying is every cycle when you don't do that, it's okay that a bunch more people died because those are poor people and like while we're sad about that, that's okay. Or got locked up for weed yeah. or whatever it is. That that violence is okay because we won't want to do violence in order to finally fix things. It's okay. There is not time to do that. Even that bullshit where you just willingly sacrifice a chunk of us every cycle because it makes you feel good and you don't have to fucking break out of this shit. Even that, you can't do anymore. Like, If you think climate change is real, there is a moral and ethical obligation to do something. And that something is not voting. So I'm curious... At what point that starts to sit with other people as well. Like it's a thing that's like intensely depressing me lately. I, maybe it's the fall foliage looking at it and being like, I might literally <laughs> never see this again. Like this, this natural phenomenon that is like the most beautiful thing in the world to me literally might go away in the next few years. Right. But already it's short in the fall in a ton of different locations, but we might get to the point that it's like, it's like a two-day cycle now.
2: And the trees are just fucked. This motherfucker's, I speak for the treasing over here. (laughs) I
0: just like, I just, genuinely, if you, if you actually, this is the, like, one of the issues I constantly have with the Biden stuff. It's like, if you believe the science, you are in a worse position than if you disbelieve. Because if you disbelieve, all of the actions that you take are acceptable. Because you do have time. Things aren't, we don't have a horizon that we have to worry about. If you do believe the science, then your lack of action is fucking cowardice and pathetic. And you are by your inaction, dooming generations of people, including basically every child you know right now. There's a
2: lot of conditionally believing things happening in like the new Democratic Party. It's like, believe the science on climate change. It's like, oh, yeah, no, okay, yeah, for sure. So no fracking then, right? And it's just like, don't believe that. So- Actually, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. They had a, I think CNN had a panel of uh, black women voters, and it's like, listen to black women i i can't i can't do the clap thing because i have to hold a, a hold hold a mic uh, but we. how long did we get that and then when the panel was just like yeah i don't like trump obviously but i do not like biden i don't feel like he's done anything for my community and then all the democrats
0: online were just like get in fucking line bitch yeah it was amazing and immediately switched over i also loved the response to harris where they were like yeah, she doesn't do anything for us. Like it's so it's so condescending to trot her out like she's got our vote. It, even
2: fucking me too. They were like, we need to believe women when they have the courage to speak up. And then Tara Reid spoke up, and it was like, no,
1: nope, not, like not, yeah. not, yeah, not you, not <laughs> you,
2: not you. And I, I, the right is terrible and will doom us all. But they do have some talking points that just a broken clock. They are correct about Democrats democratic hypocrisy. And my fear, or one of many, just a, a ball of them, frankly, at this point, is that <laughs> yes. as the Dems get more and more media time and they take over the government, these obvious contradictions, these obvious hypocrisies are going to make people more aware of them. And then they're going to match with the side that has previously been parroting them which is the right.
1: Yeah, right. And the biggest, the biggest, you know, exactly what you're saying is because the right wing, the GOP listens to their fringe, like the fringe drives that party. Um, And they deliver. And they deliver for them. But on the left, on the the Democrats, they do everything they can to kill the left. And so, and and, and the Dems are so good about it. They're doing it. We're talking about Nina Turner. I wanted to say this, er, you know, more earlier, but like her being co-opted with John Kasich. I mean, that's, that's intentional right you're oh, you're cutting you're cutting something off at the knees before it can grow and i mean same thing with stacey abrams now we can look back and see her career arc like no no no, we're, we're gonna we're gonna knife this right we're gonna put her on the board of a center for american progress or whatever and you know we're gonna give her a, a, a role and we're gonna pay her big money to do election security or something like that and we're not gonna let her run for senate right we need to put john ossoff in the seat for whatever reason i mean like that that's a very targeted like yeah let's get every promising black female politician in the in the fold right now to cut them off before they can do something else
2: a lot of this though is just like uh, material condition it seems weird to apply it to like uh political flax but nina turner is like i'm a political operative like i Uh, for me to do any good i need to have a career and the next four years are going to be centrist dem establishment and republicans running things and you know i've been on the outs i don't want to end up like uh old brie doing a podcast with the chopo boys uh and just just she's really good Uh, and so if i can get my career back on track by laundering John Kasich for Joe Biden so he can say, you know what, no, you know, he has the support of Nina Turner, that sort of stuff, then fuck it. Maybe I'll just do that and sit quietly for three and a half years. And then I'll go back to the firebrand stuff.
0: The, the actual podcast, by the way, like, uh, is them talking about the t- Tamir Rice killing, right? That's when she worked with Kasich, one of the first big things where they work together, which is they talked about how they, They think justice is always going to happen, right? We'll always get justice. And it was good that we worked together because the fear is always that, like, um, these communities will riot because they don't get justice. But we got Nina Turner on a listening tour, and then we put her on a committee, right? And that made sure that the black community didn't riot. It's
1: like, this is supposed to be good? Are you fucking serious? Like She sold out for like what like a like a like a sandwich spread at like a holiday and express in columbus ohio <laughs> or something like that like she became like fuck king of shit mountain in ohio and oh, that's all that's it, so it took
0: none of these progressives need to do these things right you don't have to do this if you're nina well uh, like there's not even the excuse where you're like well you know like all like the fucking lives love to do it's like sometimes you have to work with people you don't like like They're not, neither of them are in power. Nobody's working together right now. Like you are fondly remembering the time you worked together. That, that, that is not, I had to work with him. That's like, now we're friends as a result, which you don't have to do this. Just once I'd love to get a politician who actually treats our enemies like enemies, that would be incredible. Right? Like I fuck politicians at this point, any leader. Any political leader or somebody who who wants to define themselves as being part of the progressive or leftist movement to actually treat enemies as enemies. You spend every fucking speech where you go out and talk to us, the dim establishment does this too, telling us that they're evil fascists that they're going to take away your human rights what does it say when you go and sit and have fucking breakfast with them or high tea or some shit like that means you're okay with that it means at the end of the day this is all fucking theater because it's just your job just your job to tell us that we're going to get fucked but it never affects you so it's totally okay to go sit down with them and have a pleasant conversation like just once it would be great for you to recognize that like the stuff you're talking about us getting fucked that is real People do yeah. suffer horrifically as a result of this bullshit. And one time, it would be great to have one of you recognize that and not chum up with them. Punch them in the fucking dick. Put your goddamn boot on their necks and never let up. Like That's one thing you can get if you are a conservative. You can get people who represent you, who treat your enemies like pieces of shit. That's one of the things that like, if you're a Trump voter, that's the best thing about him. He shit on Jeb Bush, never let up. He shit on Mitt Romney, and then had Mitt Romney fly out to interview for Secretary of State just so he could publicly shame him further. Like, could you Baller. imagine? Yeah, yeah. I If someone did that to Republicans, even if they were a mediocre politician at passing stuff, I'd forgive a lot.
1: I'd still think they're a piece of shit, but at least you'd have something, right? you yeah, like- at least get something. Like, Joe Biden is going to invite Matt Gates, you know, to, like, Delaware to meet and, like, possibly look on, like, some counsel and then just, like, have him locked outside the door and not let him in. Just
2: just stroking uh, Gates' boyfriend's hair like, oh, yeah. you like this, don't you?
0: <laughs> it's amazing that he said he was his staff. That, that amazing. <laughs> At this point, they have been friendlier to every single horrific Republican from the Bush administration than they were to Tara Reid, to... Basically, anyone who's ever asked Biden to denounce old shitty policies, right? Anyone to the left of the person currently in the the driver's seat of the party can be abused whenever you damn well please. But God forbid we speak ill of our Republican colleagues who, by the way, are probably going to take all your rights and fuck you. Like, how does that fucking work? Like, that shit's infuriating. And you can tell how useless libs are by the reaction to the Amy Comey Barrett thing. And by that, I mean, among the punditry, they said, oh, you know what the Republicans should really do? They should hold off on voting her in and just like dangle it for the voters. Yeah. Yeah. The libs went, you know what would be cool? If I was a Republican, what I would do is I wouldn't actually do the thing my voters want because that's how you really get voters involved. And it's like...
2: Oh, so like what you're doing with the stimulus
0: right now. <laughs> exactly. It's just it's absolutely infuriating. Every single progressive that has fucking like kotoed to this shit uh, is just a coward, honestly. At the end of the day, you're just a coward. You either did not have the principles you claimed you have and you're lying or push came to shove, you were looking at having a difficult few years and you went like, I'd hate to be in a position in which I'm struggling to get money in this garbage system. So what I'll do is just sell out all my principles. And it's like, oh, great. Yeah. It'd be cool if the rest of us had the option to ever make any income because somebody actually fucking fought for us or stopped every company from just abusing and extracting all the resources out of you. Like, That'd be cool. But instead, the rest of us are looking at the absolute fucking financial economic cliff that's coming. Like, it is, it is horrifically bad for basically uh, a solid third of the country. A middle third is also teetering on the edge, but it doesn't matter because you get to be in the
1: top bit and you're fine. Fuck all of those people. You know, we did have a politician, Brett, who ran on the left, maybe not as left as we would like, but they were f- up front about how awful the GOP was and spoke freely about how much they couldn't wait to get them fucking taken care of. And that politician, of course, was Hillary Clinton, who (laughs) openly in 2016. I'm voting for her. I don't want to
2: ever hear shit from the the Hillary fans ever again, because I voted for her more times than you did. (laughs) Senate 2016, 2020. Try me. (laughs)
1: she flat out said yeah republicans fucking suck i'm gonna destroy the gop and everyone was like oh my god how could she say that you know we need these people like fuck it you know what she called the right
2: deplorables which is the sort of thing that if if she did that that's so radical that if she did that today they would have sent her to whatever pasture currently contains julian castro
1: Hillary was running and she was like, Yeah, uh, the GOP is run by a bunch of fucking idiots who only care about guns and God and like you can't reach them and it's not even worth trying. And like Joe Biden is like, We gotta love each other, guys. We really just need to come together here.
0: I'm the empathy candidate for everyone as long as you are a right wing Republican voter. <laughs> Everybody
1: else, you can go fuck yourself. Dude, dude, Trump in the last debate, and I watched the debates because I'm I'm a fucking sicko. Cook uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm absolute trash. I have to have something to drink too on a weeknight. Um, t- dude, Trump said everything right about Joe Biden. Just fucking called him yeah. out straight across the board. It's like, oh, you built the cages, or every single thing he was like, well, why didn't you do anything about this, Joe? You've been in. Con- I mean, like, just fucking buried him on stage. And if it was anybody else. It would have been like a great performance, but at the same time, Trump like went on a rant about how windmills kill birds out of nowhere, and so that's all anyone remembers about it.
2: Well, that's all anyone is encouraged to remember about it because the fucking the total hegemonic dominance of liberal rhetoric has people don't even know why they're saying the things they say anymore. It's interesting. I got into this a little bit over the weekend. Uh, All of this, like, we need decorum. We need incrementalism. Uh, Populism is inherently evil. Uh, People need to really think and and be sort of gentlemen scholars when it comes to governance. All that literally developed out of the Rockefeller era to stymie the working class, to stymie the working class's alarming growth. You were having populist movements where people were going, wait a second, I'm pretty sure my boss is fucking me. Like, what is all this shit? And the liberals and the right wing, your your northeastern elites got together and went like if this voting bloc grows any bigger or continues to have access to electoralism in a meaningful way, yeah. our power is going to be really threatened. And so they collectively, the powers that be started this this messaging of just like, you know what, you need Pete Buddha judges. You need people that don't get too excited. About politics. It used to be that was a virtue, but now that's actually a vice. Getting too excited over this stuff. Right. We yeah. need calm, scholarly men, mostly men uh, <laughs> who, you know, they hear their constituents, but at the end of the day, they have a paternal role, and because they controlled all the fucking newspapers and wealth, they just put that out there, uplifted the people that went along with that line, and nothing has changed since. So that now people have so thoroughly integrated that propaganda. And I always say like propaganda works the best on me and you. Nobody is fucking immune to propaganda. There's just not enough time in the day to root out, question, discover, fix all of it. There are people now that will earnestly go like this, 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 and this are all broken about the United States. And there's a climate deadline coming and people are suffering now. And what we should do is... uh, and they still land exactly on the same MSNBC talking point that like the most market liberal uh, elite believes.
1: Yeah, we have gotta we gotta do uh, carbon tax credits, and we have to uh, you know invest in alternative energy sources, and we've really gotta you know <laughs> burn clean coal or something like that. <laughs> like there's like there now there were we- like
2: soldier marches on D.C. and the the ruling classes just went like we this shit cannot happen. So now mass media just pumps the talking points directly into your brain, and it's nearly impossible to vote. But because it's so impossible, it's the most virtuous thing you can do. It's people standing in line in the pouring rain for 11 hours so that they can essentially uh, signify that, yes, I do care, uh, and yes, I'm absolutely captured by by the belief in a system that hasn't delivered results for me in well over 100 years.
1: Yeah. And and I I know I get shit on for watching the NFL and do it shit on me. I get it. You should. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I get it. But like they're doing all these ads where they're like, you know what? If you didn't, if you didn't get your vote counted, that means you didn't have a game plan. You've got to like get a, get a game plan. And like you have Russell Wilson who believes in like carbonated water that can cure concussions going like, I'm a voter hashtag, you know, I've got a sticker and I have a game plan to vote. And they're turning something that like no other Western country has an issue with at all. Like, you know, like healthcare or something like that and turning it into like a a virtue, like a, like a, you know, if you don't vote, well, the fault was on you. Where was your game plan? I'm, you know, fucking DJ Metcalf for the Seattle Seahawks and I'm a voter and I've got a plan. That's fucking ridiculous. Yeah,
2: you you are right. Like this is not a big fucking deal elsewhere. They just set up elections or they, they set up a period of time where you can campaign a non insane amount of time and then they do the elections. Very simple. It is telling to me that I've never seen this level of consolidation. Literally every single company is now doing like hashtag vote stuff. Doesn't matter if you're fucking Sephora or the NFL or a, a video game or a, a fucking. It, do, it doesn't matter. All of them are just saying vote. All the corporations have come together and decided, sort of like during this difficult time or during this healthcare emergency they've found the safe thing they can say and all the forces of capital agree we need to tell you to vote while all the forces of government are actively making it harder for that to matter so that situation where government is doing nothing for democracy but all the money is saying the most important thing is voting in its current state I, i don't know again feels sus
1: I mean that's like the, the it is sort of like comforting to me that like you know the the powers that be because clearly the the idea with increasing to- voter turnout inevitably benefits Democrats right more people vote the more higher percentage of them are going to be Democrats the fewer people vote you're you're going to benefit the GOP and Republicans it's the way it is in every single election um, it's just the way it, things work in this country. But, and it's sort of, like, comforting to me in a sense that, you know, they're all like, we've just got to get rid of Trump. And every company is saying, like, just vote because they know it will kind of help out the Democrats and they won't take any flack for it or they'll have, like, plausible deniability. And, yeah, it's totally chicken shit. But, like, you know, it's just what it is. And that's comforting in the sense that, like, man, even the fucking, like, corporate goal- ghouls are like, no, we got to get rid of Trump. like Yeah, but it's just no, it's not
2: everything. from any place – a, I hate the fucking aesthetics of it being like voting is self-actualization because that's an extremely pernicious metaphysical uh, road to to fucking go down. Yeah, sure, but it's because Trump is actually more of a threat to a global neoliberal Going order. Going forward, they right, got right, what they yeah, needed out yeah, of it. Yeah, they got all the big breaks. It, it's like they're, you know, you watch Trailer Park Boys, and, and I, I may have done this in the past. Like you always, if you have like a crew of people doing something sketchy. You always want one dumbass. You know, you need a Corey and Trevor to be... So when you go to court, you can be like, damn, I don't agree with Corey and Trevor stealing gas like that. That was real fucked up, <laughs> Corey and Trevor. I would never <laughs> steal gas like Corey and Trevor. Like, you need to be on video saying that shit. And that's what they got with Trump. Like, you you basically can shit in pork sausages at the plant, and it's fine. You could dump toxic waste uh, in the river in Chattanooga. It's fine. Everyone got their tax breaks. And now we go like, hey, man... Uh, we're gonna go out for a drive to check out this property. It's a bit far out, but why don't you sit in the front seat? Like it's that sort of thing.
0: <laughs> We're
2: disposing of the body now that we've gotten what we want.
0: Yeah, they just need to restabilize now that we've gotten all the yeah. things we want. Restabilize, let's get our money back flowing again. Yeah, but they
2: they know that it's just like the defense industry as well. Right. They know that Joe Biden, and he's actually this is what he's proven on this campaign trail, is that he can say the right things to mollify lobbyists the defense industry big business i mean he's literally putting the gop in his cabinet which is like if the dems were anything like they purported to be that would defeat the whole purpose of their party it's like yeah we're we're running so we could put your planks in our platform they aren't against trump for any sort of moral or ethical reason they're against him because he no longer serves a purpose Mm
0: -hmm. by the way biden biden for running delaware as a fully uh as a tax shelter in America, which is basically what it's been forever. Also, Delaware is the reason that the fees on credit cards got so high because it used to be uh, stopped by what are called usury rates that existed in New York and states with like, I don't know, any sort of government. And Delaware went, how do we get companies to come here? What if we say we have no usury rate? So if you found your credit card company in Delaware, you place it here, you can charge literally any interest rate you want and there's no law to stop you. That is why... Delaware, North Dakota have a bunch of credit card companies there specifically because of that somehow Biden did that for years for every bank. And it's still just like semi risk He's fine. I,
2: yeah. I might pause it, uh, in terms of, I mean, Biden does enjoy the wholesale support of wall street. Yes. Like he's been doing yes. great by those donors. The, the fact that, uh, he isn't raising even more from them, I don't think is from a lack of I don't think that's a vote of no confidence from Wall Street. I think it's them going like, why overpay? We've already got him.
0: No, no, I mean like how has he not converted that to more like in-person money? Pelosi's done that really effectively. He's he's just really bad at converting the fact that they love him into dollars yeah. in his pocket. And I suspect it's because one he is dumb and they don't actually have to convince him that much. Like you don't actually have to pay the man off. He comes on board without yeah. any, right? And two a lot of it's funneled to his mom, his family. Yeah, like genuinely, a lot yeah, of the money funneled to his family. He's
2: doing fine. That's like, that's like the old like organized crime thing where if you if you could have your druthers, be fucking rich and people think you're broke, like yeah. like if if especially if you're a politician and you're trying to do this like, well, I'm a middle of the road sort of working people. Uh, guy i you know I, I make what a senator makes which is pretty good money from where i grew up and then just off the books and in all of your family's accounts and in all these fucking cho- yeah hide your money and present a reasonable face
0: his his whole family too is like filled with dipshits that have been cashing on yeah. in his name for a while he's yeah, gotta, i he's don't gotta think gotta he's, pay he's for, hurting for money he's
1: got to pay for all of hunter biden's alimony payments i mean those those add up He's also got a granddaughter who like punched a cop, which like Good. best thing she ever did. Yeah, fuck. But, yeah. but but
0: over but over a dispute with another rich girl in the West Village or some bullshit. Anyway, uh he he goes out and makes that all go away too. Like consistently. Any problems they have, they all vanish. That's I think that's where he's cashing in his chips over and over again. Who's this cop
2: punching West
0: Village heiress? Does anyone know?
1: <laughs> is that, <laughs> that the girl is that name? is that Blazer Biden? That's her name. Ashley Blazer Biden is her name, right? She's definitely an Ashley. Whether that's her name or not, I don't know, but she's definitely yeah, an Ashley. Her, and her middle name is Blazer. I'm, I'm, she's like a fucking. Sh- sure. <laughs> yeah. She's like named after somebody from like American Gladiators in 1991.
0: Uh, Again, there is so much hay to be made if the media actually bothered to dig into Biden family lineage at all. Like, I mentioned this before, Bo Biden uh, legit covered up a DuPont heir raping his daughter. Like he made that go away and be just a. He was the
2: attorney general.
0: Yeah. He made that go away and be just probation, right? They got the conviction and it was just probation. And then he defended it in newspapers and out in public afterwards. Like the Biden family's done so many fucked up things. But yeah, the media has no interest in looking into it.
2: Looks like Ashley Blazer Biden is actually married. Um, Although, although she's a biden so who the fuck knows what that means <laughs> so she's been married about eight years maybe you got that seven-year itch i'm just saying hit me up we can talk about uh both going to
1: tulane university in new orleans there you go nice. <laughs> blazer uh, is her middle name pl with a z it's not even like a weird european name like it's just now like what's that what's all, that called? all her
2: siblings are named like lanyard <laughs> oxford <laughs> loafer <laughs> Oh my God, her, one of her cousins is named Cuff. It is, <laughs> it's like they just went to a Brooks Brothers and were like, yeah, that's fine. Just point at things.
0: That's my name.
2: <gasps> Ashley Blazer Biden last year entered into an agreement with the gentleman J Pimp. <laughs> uh, the he's, he's a rapper to bring her guilt-backed hoodies to Haiti. <laughs> he's from Boynton Beach, Florida. There's always a Florida connection. Yes. Old J-Pimp, founder of Deploy Records, just hanging out with, with Ashley Biden. Goddamn J-Pimp, I hope you didn't beat me to it. <laughs> but
1: based on this drip, he
2: almost certainly did.
1: What did he send to Haiti? A Haiti a country well, whose recently-
2: like every, like every heiress, you have to have a clothing line. And so she has uh, livelihood hoodies that you can buy them on Gilt, and now you can get them in Port-au-Prince. So she's, she's, hoodies, she's selling it. hoodies. To a tropical nation. J Pimp just like, I got that Biden money.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I've you know that. what? This cholera reeked, like half island community really needs hoodies. Protection for the winter weather yeah, here in the, the Caribbean. The, 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 cr- the harsh winters that affect IAT that, the you know, Napoleon's troops always wrote about when they were, <laughs> when 200,000 of them died, they were again like, God, the winters here are so terrible. We can't. So, so brutal. It's like
2: that Buster Rhymes song, A- 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 Arab money, only instead it's Biden money. <laughs> <laughs> the backbeat's like, well, listen, Jack, 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 Jack. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, you put it on your hair.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh.
0: I am, I, I, I did enjoy that part of the mollifying the donor base was being like, you know what? I don't think we have a place for Elizabeth Warren in our cabinet because it would just make our moderate donors, which like huge air quotes on moderate on that one, it would make our moderate donors angry in a, in a party of failures. Cause that's really what the democratic party is a party of massive failures. She somehow has risen above the rest. I do enjoy uh, watching her suffer the outcomes of all her terrible decisions. You won not a single state, you have no friends left in the party, and you just got fucked over for absolutely no reason. Congrats. She's she's like the Polish guy trying to become
2: a made man in the mafia. It's like, yeah, you can do all the work. You can do it. You know, you did what you were told, but at the end of the day, you're just not Italian. Like, you, you you can't come in the tent.
0: I, yep. I don't know if there's anyone with worse political instincts than her. It's-
1: <laughs> Elizabeth Warren is Joe Pesci walking into the room, <laughs> getting, getting ready to be made, <laughs> taking a look at like an empty chair and realizing what's just happened. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and they still got the endorsement out of her because she she couldn't see the obvious bus coming for her. It's uh oh. Amazing. But, well well the, done across the board, Warren.
1: Part of that has just got to be pettiness at this point because she saw Bernie out w- winning the people that she thought was were hers from the left. He ran to the left of her on all of her issues. She fucked up in Iowa. She tried to move center too early and just lost everything, right? Hideous, hideous, hideous political instincts the entire time. Um, the smartest thing she did was take selfies and bring her dog out. Like, and after, other than that, like, it was a disaster And again,
0: reminder, even after she tried to knife Bernie over the thing, they still researched, can we make her both VP and Treasury Secretary? Yes. So she would have been the most powerful VP in history had she just, at any point, been like, you know what, it's time to pull it out.
1: Let me just endorse Bernie and be done with this. The only person in the primary that showed worse instincts and crashed and burned harder is now our vice presidential candidate.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of amazing that she couldn't even fail spectacularly enough in the Kamala vein to become the other side's vice president. <laughs> we, we can there's a new Sorkin movie uh, since you mentioned Sorkin earlier, Brad, are you a Sorkin guy? I
1: love Aaron Sorkin. I think he is <laughs> just the pinnacle of that. you know like in America, it doesn't matter how stupid you are. If you work hard, you can get insanely successful and do you have infinite budgets for you know 3A productions. And no one. I will. am. I, yeah. I, I am coming around to
2: that position. Like I used to dislike Sorkin because it just felt like, you know, he he did one thing well several years ago, and he developed a distinct style that it was idiosyncratic versus where a lot of dramas were at, at, at that time, and his politics were a, a, a little bit. If there was ever an edge to Sorkin, it was in that like early '90s period. But the problem is he never grew from there either politically or creatively. he's just doing the same exact fucking yeah. thing from the same perspective literally now like did you did anyone see the west wing thing the west wing the reunion thing reunion did. I specifically did not see that
0: yeah I avoided it.
2: that was like an apotheosis of of the thing that has now made me love him, which is just. Playing the hits, no effort. It, it, it's like seeing fucking John Fogarty just getting through one last concert in like the Fort Lauderdale Amphitheater. Like, we're just trying to make it through. The, the Trial of the Chicago Seven, which is his new movie, I think it's on Netflix or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I saw this great, it was broken into multiple Twitter clips because 220 wasn't enough time to contain it. That script is literally him plagiarizing all of his previous works word for word. <laughs> the characters repeat full scenes with the same sentences in the same order from the newsroom, from A Few Good Men, from... Uh,
1: Sports Night, whatever. from like, sport- no, <laughs> West Wing.
2: They, it's the same joke. The jokes in it are the exact same jokes that have d- been done before. <laughs> the explanations of characters are the same explanation. The people's like, ooh, wacky reaction. He's literally control Z, control Ving, and then shipping it off to Netflix, whoever like, yeah, Sorkin, right? There you go. It, it's, <laughs> it's that I have to respect. That movement got eaten by Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin and the Yippies. Hoffman and Rubin were a lot more
1: charismatic. My problem is that for the next 50 years, when people think of progressive politics, they're gonna think of you.
2: That's how the progressive movement would be painted for the next 40
1: years. Passing out daisies to soldiers and trying to levitate the Pentagon.
0: People passing out daisies to soldiers and trying to levitate the Pentagon.
2: Do you know why the French only eat one egg for breakfast?
0: You know why they only eat one egg for breakfast in France? Why?
1: Because in France, one egg is enough.
0: Because in France, one egg is enough.
1: The point is that sexual revolution tends to get in the way of actual revolution. I don't have time for cultural revolution it distracts from actual revolution really i'm bewitched i'm ensorcelled
0: you don't send a woman to to ensorcel me thank you shut
1: up
2: thank you
0: shut up i represent the government of the united states without
1: passion or prejudice but i represent the people without passion or prejudice you think i have contempt for my government Do you have contempt for your government Harry, if I do, it ain't nothing compared to the contempt my government has for me.
0: I'll tell you, Mister Schultz, it's nothing compared to the contempt my
2: government has for me. If it is the case that he's entirely pompous and he's just like, look, gold doesn't rot, which, like, no, that's even scientifically wrong. But, <laughs> but if he if he really believes that, like, you know, it was perfect then, it'll be perfect now. Then that bums me out. But I, I like to think that he's become just delightfully cynical enough to go like, yeah, you know what, I'm I'm. I'm Jordan playing for the Wizards. I'm just enjoying my de facto retirement. I don't give a fuck what my stats are anymore. I got <laughs> I got basically lucky and and self-actualized on the social network where uh, the only reason that was any good is because David Fincher, you can yeah. see this in the behind the scenes, yes. yeah. literally sits him down like a child and and rubs his nose in his script one sentence at a time. It's
0: fucking amazing. <laughs> if, if I can't <laughs> emphasize
2: if you have an opportunity, watch uh, Fincher and Sorkin in the writing room together because Fincher will just like point at something and go like, this sentence here, what does that mean? What does that do for the, the story? And Sorkin will just start on one of his little like cocaine binge explanations and he'll go like, but just tell me what it does for the story. And you can see <laughs> Sorkin just tuck his tail behind his legs and shrink into the chair. <laughs> It's the only reason that movie was good. I hope that broke him and made the man made him the man he is now because
1: I'm loving it. <laughs> you know, like David David Fincher in like you know, this, this is a movie chat. It's like his his all his shit just looks so fucking good. Like like even Panic Room, which is a total trash movie, it's Like forward to like start to finish. It's like, just looks fantastic. Even fucking House of Cards, which again k- turned into complete nonsense and it was unwatchable, Drek, you know, after the first season. You're watching, you're like, man, it still looks so good, though. Like, I can still watch this. And, like, with, he, he's so, he just, he's a good director. Like, and so maybe the trick with Sorkin is that he needs to always be paired with someone who is more talented and a better artist than him and who also has enough power to tell him no. Which, well, it's you know, the
2: writer thing, too. It's not that, like, David Fincher is a micro-level director. You know, he's the guy that makes people yes. do 42 takes. Uh, he, he's the person that actually does the close reading with the writer. Like, "No, no, 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 no. If my name is going on this, I need to approve all these words." And nobody has that sort of yeah. gravitas around Aaron Sorkin. Also, and even if they do, a lot of times they want to collab because it's like, "Ooh, look, a uh, uh, Sorkin. He, he he's he's to win a tony this year and uh, like I, they want to still have that famous friend david fincher is like i got enough friends
1: right with david fincher it's amazing if you know his career like he got his first like big movie break at like 26 or something like that and he was brought in to save aliens Fucking Alien 3 was his introduction to directing big league movies. <laughs> and that was a script that was falling apart. That was a production that just went to pure shit and back. And he just sat there and tried to put all the pieces together as like some kid who is 10 years younger than me. And after that, he was just like, well, fuck these people forever. I'm going to do my own fucking thing. Any rules. Uh, rest in peace to Mindhunter, by the way.
2: Uh, uh, decent, <laughs> decent first season got canceled. I uh, know that was a Fincher project. It, Fincher's quote was uh it was too expensive a project for how many people watched it and it's like yeah that'll happen it did two seasons yeah they didn't resolve i mean they didn't resolve like overarching uh plot lines but this was basically a monster of the week thing this this was basically like you know serial killer porn so it, it it did enough for most of the people who were still watching
1: I can't find the article now, and I wish I could, but they were they were talking about Aaron Sorkin, who who had never heard of the Chicago 7 yes. when he signed on to write the screenplay. Yes,
0: I saw that. Somebody asked him about it. They were like, I can't remember who it was. Somebody was like, so what do you think of Chicago 7? He was like, um, who? <laughs> uh, they still gave him the job. Uh,
2: and again, the... <laughs> The, the lines that he gives these characters, even though he'd never heard about them before, and he's like, oh, okay, well, maybe I need to look into this. He still gave them exactly the one-to-one lines that his West Wing <laughs> characters were saying. So yeah, same thing. Uh, look, how different could they be?
1: <laughs> God, I've, I watched the first... 12 minutes of it i think before i just just like no i'm not fucking watching this and it Honestly, does be- it does like a okay. quick you know like 30 seconds like you know really high pace we're gonna introduce all the main characters and this is your centrist and this is your radical and this is your conservative and this is eddie redmayne i don't know why he's in this but you know whatever i guess he's got to get That's paid true of most eddie redmayne yeah. movies actually. listen jupiter rising is a work of art i will fight for that movie <laughs> Um, but then you know, uh, then it's like, oh, here's the here are the bad guys, and we're gonna make them corporate. But we're gonna do Joseph Gordon Levitt, who's really like a likable nerdy guy, you know. And he's gonna be right away. He's like, well, I don't think they're right, but I don't think we could win. And three, two, one, go, movie. And it's like, no, fuck this. I've seen this before. Like, I I watched the first season of the Newsroom. I don't need this ever again in my life.
2: That's that is another excellent show.
1: <laughs>
2: that I watched every episode of that. I would watch it again, frankly, because it there is. Artistry, getting there is there has to be some sort of you can see the creative spark because nobody has that many bad takes on accident. You can't flip, you can't flip a narrative coin a hundred times and have it come up tails a hundred times. Like he, the, you can, the hand is on the scales, and it, that hand's dumb as fuck.
0: Him and Tubin both are just convinced me that basically every older white dude in a creative profession. Basically, basically, every older white dude in power at this point in our society is just, like, coasting. They know it's all fucked. They don't care. I'm just cashing those checks, baby. Like, I don't have to put in any effort. You motherfuckers will defend me because we're all buddies. It's fine. Like, it's so clearly they do not care at all. There's no effort given whatsoever. Yeah,
2: I don't know, guys. Learn to code. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) the fact that these people go to, like, the Paley Center and give, like, panel discussions about, like, how to succeed as I have? It's just like, what would you say you actually
1: do? All right, Jeffrey Toobin, you wrote the Nine, a completely like fucking nothing of a book about the Supreme Court. Why is your career not over?
2: A topic he found so boring that he had to have a wank break in the middle of portraying them for the New Yorker. <laughs>
1: right? Like, why, why is your career so untouchable that you can masturbate in front of your coworkers and face no consequences? The way
2: that like blue check uh, uh, literary and professional pundit and, and the the sort of media class went, you know, there's a great article by Luke Winky again on this where he's like the three sort of bad takes that came from the Tubin thing. I think it's on his Substack uh, on posting, which everyone should subscribe to. Uh, it's so good. But like they found these three defenses of him and they're all just like, oh, come on. We're all human. Like this shouldn't. Yeah, you you jerking off uh, at work in front of your coworkers. You, you know that's that's a mistake. Technology betrayed him. Like we let we <laughs> let Tubin down. <laughs> it's sad that we're so puritanical. And just search any of those people's tweets. And when it's like Florida man does the exact same thing, they're like, "Ha ha! This is why we need to take the vote away from Florida." huh? Look at these poor pieces of shit. Like it if it's a, a coastal elite then there's absolutely nothing you can do wrong where people won't come to your aid. I remember Lena Dunham being like, "Well, unfortunately, this is this is that 1% of cases where women do lie about being raped because it was <laughs> yeah, because it remember. was her producer." That
0: was amazing.
2: Someone literally had the take that was the real losers here are the American people because we're deprived in the same way that like Bam, Adebayo getting injured in the NBA Finals uh, robbed the heat of a real chance at glory. The American <laughs> people, by sidelining Tubin, are missing out on one of our most poignant voices at a, a crux of our <laughs> American democracy.
1: Yeah, but the, the other thing about Jeffrey Tubin, like, how many Americans know who Jeffrey Tubin is? Fucking
0: like, nobody. How, I pay attention to politics, and I was like, "Come again?" The guy who wrote the People OJ book. Well, if you <laughs>
2: insist.
0: <laughs> The guy who wrote the People vs OJ book, like I guess, I don't. Why would I care, like, to defend him? Uh, you don't watch enough
1: prestige TV, obviously. Clearly, like I've read his book about the Supreme Court, and that was like it was like three justices ago. I can't even remember, and it was fine. It wasn't wasn't like earth shattering. I guess. I don't know. Where, where do you get to the level where no one can know who you are and your, your career is safe enough that you can masturbate in front of your coworkers and they will defend you? Like That's all I'm it's, asking. That's what I want to know. It is, it is cool
0: to see that the military dynamic uh, exists in the rest of the world, too, where if you're enlisted and you do something wrong, especially sexual impropriety stuff, you will get fucked up. You go fucked up pretty hard, depending on what you did. Rightfully so. Yeah, absolutely. Where you go, like, all right, that's a you know, punishment fits the crime for the for the most part. Uh, not for officers consistently. While, while I was in the Air Force, the guy who literally ran the like sexual assault prevention stuff, right, that the officer in charge of that, liked to go to his local bar and just grab every titty he could find, to the point where a waitress was like, "This is fucking ridiculous," and reported him she was like, he constantly grabs me. I've said no hundreds of times. He just keeps grabbing me. He grabbed me in the she parking lot. Why degrading
2: our warfighting capacity?
0: And so the, the punishment for him was, all right, we'll move him to another unit. No downgrade in pay, no prison, which is what they do to other people is they actually kick you out and start criminal charges against you, depending on what it is. But that, that would have gotten criminal charges for an enlisted. 100% you would have been dishonorably discharged, though, at a minimum. That guy, I just get moved to a new unit. So it's cool to see that that oligarchic dynamic, the officer versus enlisted dynamic, is 100% built into every other aspect of society, too.
2: It's not actually addressing the root problem. It's just moving the problem to another location where no one's complained there yet to buy more time. Yeah. It really is that Catholic church mentality.
0: yeah, Yeah, it's the same thing. And it's, you know it's always done as if people don't fucking recognize what's happening. Like everybody sees that there's two different systems of justice and you're only going to put up with it for so long. Uh, and that so long is as long as the system is still largely working for you and you're not getting turbo fucked at all times, but it doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Does it? Yeah. We'll see. I think it's just the
2: recognition of the problem doesn't necessarily mean you know how to address it. Like as people develop the consciousness that you're describing I, I think the, oh, yeah, the tubans no. of the world will always get away with this until there's an actual check on that behavior
0: that they fear. And I don't know what that is. Yeah. Uh, in this country, I would say that's definitely not what you want. You definitely don't want the people that we have to be completely disillusioned with the system and not know what outlet to take because it's probably going to be a bad one. Because they're Americans.
2: I'll, whatever they end up figuring out, it's, it, gonna be it's bad. not going to be fucking genius. Yeah. The, the rest of the world is not going to look in and be like, god damn it they've done it again they
0: figured it out they the will say they god damn it,
2: it they've done it again but in a very different tone <laughs> yeah, of voice exactly
0: while shaking their head inside i really
2: think our brains might be permanently uh, broken like like we are the tip of the spear of what happens if if you just defund education and then replace it with uh, essentially far-right ideology the fact that prager U is taught in schools the fact that the fact that we're so atomized and alienated that we have no other source of information through which to understand the world, our inability to to trust even empirical processes like the falsifiability that is the the core of all science being so just suspect and opaque to the vast majority of people that we go back to essentially late Enlightenment era science skepticism. <laughs> right. But like the, the the flat earth thing, for example, that wasn't around for like the last couple hundred years. That came about because at a certain point, s- science's sophistication uh, outpaced the average man's ability to perceive and understand it. So when it was just like put a lens up and see where the light beam goes, when it's just like I'm going to put this metal rod into this mixture here, people could basically see what you were doing yeah. and get it when we got to these complex diagrams and machines and we're doing things that involved a lot of really abstract thinking, we just couldn't keep up anymore. And so people started trying to like go back to monk as it were scientifically (laughs) and doing stuff like, hey man, I looked at that sailboat and it was 18 miles away and it didn't look like it went over the curve. The earth's earth's not curved. We're doing that writ large as a society with not just science, everything. I, I really fear that no nation has ever been so prosperous so alienated and so not even just left to to consider the foliage uh alone we are perpetually just pumped with bullshit from an inescapable media apparatus that we are in a novel circumstance in like the whole span of history oh yeah and i i I really am starting to to wonder if this is just like the the test subject that actually goes
0: completely insane and eats its own arm. And you go like, well,
2: let's not do that again. (laughs)
0: Like, like digital media, part of, part of the reason why you can get so many billionaires and stuff is scale. Right. Uh, in digital, you can scale faster, but like, what happens when you do that with propaganda while also increasing the sophistication of it? And it's like you can scale oh, up you just, to capture everybody. Yeah, yeah, you just you just destroy everyone's brains. That's what you do. Like, it's like think about like advertising on TV in the '40s and '50s versus now. Like, those yeah. are entirely different. there's so much this more. Doctor
1: says these cigarettes are great. <laughs> I'm yeah. Ronald like, Reagan.
0: It's so much more manipulative now. And like when they finally figured out the digital thing, and like it took them a minute. Like, how do we figure out the space? And it's like, oh. This finally gives us the feedback we know to increase the sophistication, which we couldn't do with radio and TV because we can't get the immediate numbers to see how it's working. And it's like, Oh, that's the death. Now we're fucked. They just maximize propaganda and digitally they can do it on a massive global scale. Like, Oh, that's, that's fucking. We can
2: simultaneously capture every single person, but also hyper personalize the message to each of them using fucking machine learning and algorithms, which grow to understand your influence points better than any human ever could in a way humans can't even fucking comprehend it It feels a little bit like this is consequence fairy shit where it's like you know what if you do that it's not a done deal that it's all just going to be fine that you might actually have just broken your brain
0: and all all to do what to buy trucks and phones that's the, the entire thing is built for that
2: not, well really what it's what it's for is to buy islands and boys that is where the money funnels up to correct
1: i love a netflix uses their when they started making really making their own films they were using their search algorithms that people were looking you know for searching for tv shows or movies or whatnot netflix was like man this is what these people want and what did we get uh and uh that movie were like they stormed normandy and there were zombies so apparently (laughs) we're simple folk at at our hearts
2: yeah, just just watching a Netflix uh, miniseries about the Reformation and as Martin Luther is giving his exposition, there's just whores with titties out because Game of Thrones was successful. <laughs> That's the Martin Luther I choose to believe in, and to bring it back full circle, God has given me the right to do so.
1: <laughs> if you if you get a chance and you want to watch something terrible and that'll just like make a, a next time we're under quarantine, which will be you know any month now, Last Kingdom is uh, really shitty. And it's, yeah, it's basically Game of Thrones, but, like, what if we packed seven seasons of Game of Thrones into one season? But then they also have (laughs) five seasons of it. So in the first season alone, he has, like, five different uh, romantic, you know, romantic liaisons. He fights three or four different bosses who are introduced, shown to be unstoppable, then he kills them. It's pretty wonderful as uh, far as, like, man, we're fucking shit people. If this is what entertains us.
2: (laughs) What I learned this episode is you are watching all of the seasons of Last Kingdom and you are reading Tubin's book on Supreme Court. And I just want you to know that as someone that also, you know struggles with loneliness and mental health <laughs> issues, like, we're podcasters, but I also think of you as a friend, and you can always just call <laughs> me up and we can chat. You know, you don't <laughs> I want to make sure you're okay, and I'm willing to put everything else to the side for that, all right?
1: thank you for that but i got the new app that lets you talk to a crisis counselor immediately um and it has very (laughs) it has very competitive rates Uh, Speaking of apps, did you see there's an app for gig delivery workers so they can find a place to pee?
2: Yeah, didn't Aaron Rodgers' brother originally develop that? I distinctly remember the brother of an NFL quarterback (laughs) developed an app that would tell you where the public restrooms were in the city. And at the time, it was just like, (laughs) oh, there's always that one wacky
1: brother, huh? And now it's just like got VC capital. (laughs) I mean, he went to school in Vanderbilt and living in Tennessee, yeah, it would be helpful to know where like there are actually toilets. Um, well in in major urban areas i mean we're so uh
2: anti-working class anti-houseless people like we we don't even we put stoppers on our bench to make sure no one can sit down and take a rest and we ban basically all people from our our restrooms like it is actually difficult if you are uh driving for any of these services to actually piss
0: yeah if you uh new york city is like the most terrifying place to have to use the restroom while you're wandering around if you don't also have money to spend like god forbid you're doing a commute and you don't have your wallet on you when suddenly you need to piss or take a crap because like it's going to be a real problem
2: i I always have uh like twenty dollars in my wallet when i'm i'm going out and riding the trains and all that because i have had to just like Run off of a train, run up the subway station, sprint into the nearest bars. Bars are the closest thing; they're the most reliable because everyone else, like, they might give you some shit, but a bar, I'll just run in and go like, buying drinks for these two guys. Can I fucking piss? They're like, all right, we'll allow it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i've done that a number of times just in like deep queens you run into the bar and it's sometimes it is a bar that you do not fit in but as long as you buy drinks for the two people sitting there at like 2 p.m <laughs> make it
0: clear what you're doing they'll allow it uh, <laughs> all right buddy thanks for listening this has been Bread at a little sport that was rob at dumb and awful and we had brad at fizz Fishizzle. you can follow the show account at dumb awful show on the hell site uh, we have bonus episodes on Patreon. We just released a one of those bonuses out to everybody uh, right before we released this main so you can get a sense for what those look like. But we have other episodes on Patreon as well. Uh, feel free to hop in the Discord. The links are in the show notes. Uh, as always, thanks for listening, y'all. I'll see you next time.